Hey, last Sunday evening, we held our Overcoming Anxiety Seminar. How many of you guys were here for that? It was amazing. There were about 50 people that showed up Sunday evening right here in the auditorium to kind of learn some techniques to cope, to deal with emotions when they feel like they were out of control. And after the event, I started doing some reading because I was like, oh, this is really fascinating. And I love all the very practical tips that the counselors were sharing. I need to know a lot of these like personally and as a pastor. So I started doing some more reading online. And when I was Googling anxiety in the last week, there were a bunch of news stories that popped up about Cardi B and the fact that she struggles with anxiety a little bit. And so I started thinking to myself, oh, that's, that's cool. That's a good thing. Because like as a pastor, I'm always looking for like illustrations that will connect with the youths. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was like, okay, if Cardi struggles with this anxiety thing, then maybe that'll be helpful. And so I started reading the stories and I've put them here on the screen for you. And what every single story was saying was how much anxiety Cardi felt each year when she was coming up with her outfits for the Met Gala. Are you kidding me? I thought this was going to be helpful. I really struggle to, to drum up some sympathy for multimillionaires who are stressed out over their Hunger Games cosplay. Okay? It just like, I'm like, this is not real. This is not, this is not the anxiety that we were talking about Sunday night. The anxiety that we were talking about Sunday night is anxiety that many of you struggle with. Many of us have to battle through. You know, in 2019... We, we um, did some research, the, the government did, and they found out that 5% of Canadians had symptoms of chronic anxiety. 2019, 5%, which is a significant number. Now in 2020, that number jumped to 25% for obvious reasons. And so you might imagine that now that we're in 2023 and the pandemic has passed, that our anxiety levels have dropped back to the pre-pandemic level, Right wrong. They've dropped a little bit, but to this day in 2023, 15% of Canadians experience symptoms of chronic anxiety. And so our anxiety symptoms today are three times higher than what they were just back in 2019. So what I want to do today is I want to take a look at a moment in Jesus' life, an episode in which he experienced extreme anxiety, anxiety that like puts most of our worries and fears to shame. And the way that Jesus responded to the stress and the fear of this moment, it sets an incredible example for us when we're starting to feel overwhelmed. You know, last week we talked about the fact that anger is not a sin. Jesus got angry. And so when we get angry, we want to get angry like Jesus. And today what I want to point out is that anxiety is very similar. When we experience anxiety, we want to respond to it in the same way that Jesus responded to it. Now, I want to say up front, okay, before we ever dig into the scripture, or I start to talk to you about the ways that Jesus responded and confronted anxiety in his own life, I, I want to be up front here that um, I think anxiety needs to be treated holistically. In fact, I think really all health concerns in our lives need to be treated holistically. And so, you know, if you're struggling with anxiety or other mental health issues or whatever, then like counseling and medication and diet and scripture and community, like all of these things should be working in tandem together. And so I need to say that up front because as a pastor, like the, the thing that I'm uniquely qualified to talk to you about is the spiritual aspects of anxiety. I 
can't really talk to you about the chemical side of it. I can't even talk to you about like a lot of the practical coping side like Jen did last uh, Sunday in the seminar. I, I don't want anybody walking out here saying, well, there they are. They just say, pray about it. That's the answer to everything. No, the answer is a both and not an either or. But because I'm a pastor, I'm going to talk to you about the uh, spiritual aspects of anxiety. And so I want you to know this is one piece of the puzzle that God might use to help free you from this particular issue, okay? So uh, this episode of anxiety happens throughout all four of the Gospels, but we're going to focus on the story told in Mark chapter number 14. So just to set a little context, Jesus has, uh, it's the last night of his life. Jesus has just finished having the last supper with his disciples. Judas has already left the room and he's put in motion his plan to betray Jesus. So we pick up the story here in Mark chapter number 14 and verse 32. The scripture says, then Jesus and the disciples went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. Verse 33 says he took Peter, James, and John with him. And the Bible tells us this, and I I really don't want you to gloss over these words. Let them hit you the way that they should. Jesus said to those three men that he was deeply troubled and distressed. Deeply troubled and distressed. He said to them, my soul is is crushed with grief to the point of death. So stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and he fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. And yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Now, there are two forms of anxiety, okay? You may know this. There are two forms. There's what we call acute anxiety and chronic anxiety. Acute anxiety is when there is like a specific event that is causing you great worry and fear. Uh, General or chronic anxiety is more a fear about life in general. You may or may not be able to pinpoint a specific thing. There might be multiple things, but there's kind of just this general sense of fear and anxiousness over all of life. What Jesus is suffering from in this moment is acute anxiety. So we don't have any indication or evidence in the scripture that Jesus had an anxiety disorder or anything like that. And yet the, the, the moment that was in front of him caused him such extreme stress and duress that there's like the only word that we could have is acute anxiety. He is suffering from this uh, very, very uh, obviously here. And although his anxiety is acute and your anxiety might be more general or chronic, the way that he responds really is the same track and approach that we should take as well. So what is it that Jesus is so stressed about? I mean, most of you understand what's going on here. Jesus Jesus knows that this is his final night on earth. Thank God we don't usually know when our final night on earth is, okay? That would be an awful weight to bear. He also knows that he is going to be betrayed in just a few minutes time by um, not just Judas, okay? It's not just Judas that's going to betray him, but he's going to be betrayed and abandoned by nearly all of his friends. He's going to suffer one of the most physically torturous deaths that anyone has ever devised. And most importantly, for the very first time ever, Jesus is going to know sin and separation from his heavenly father. 
That's, that's the big thing that's causing him anxiety here. You know, there's only one human in history that can even kind of begin to understand what Jesus was feeling in this moment. His name was Adam because Adam had a perfectly unhindered relationship with God. He had a time in his existence when he didn't know sin and he was not separated from God and then he was. But the difference here is Adam only knew the separation from God and the weight of his own sin. Jesus in this moment is going to carry the weight of the sin of all of humanity that has ever existed. So the Bible's not exaggerating when it says that his soul is greatly crushed, that he feels overwhelmed and anxious about the awful hour that lies ahead of him. It's under the weight of all of this that he makes a decision. And the decision, the response that Jesus shows in this moment is exactly what you and I should do if we're feeling anxious, fearful, uncertain, or alone. What did he do when anxiety rose up within him? Jesus talked. He started talking. When anxiety rose up, Jesus talked back. You'll see this pattern throughout this episode tonight. Jesus responded to his fear and his anxiety by talking about it. And this is not the most normal response for most of us. When I feel anxiety rising up in my life, you know what I do? I shut down and I shut up. <laughs> That's the way. I don't speak up. I shut down and I shut up. I'm like, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm going to go hang out on the couch and watch Netflix for the next 17 hours. I'm going to try to deal with this on my own. I'm going to self-medicate, whatever it might be, right? It's like I tend to close myself off. I tend to shut down and shut up. Yet when Jesus was facing the greatest anxiety of his entire life, he didn't do either one of those things. Instead, he started speaking up. When his anxiety was so high that the gospel writers tell us that he began to sweat drops of blood. I've been anxious, but nothing close to that. That's a real medical phenomenon. Did you know that? Like there have been very few, but a few real examples of people throughout history being so stressed that actually the capillaries in their skin burst and they start to sweat out blood. In the middle of that level of stress, Jesus' response was to start talking. Now you might think to yourself, well, that's interesting, I guess, but I don't know how that's really gonna make that much of a difference. Well, I think if you wanna overcome anxiety the way that Jesus did, you're gonna follow his example. You're gonna start talking. Let me show you why this is so important. If you wanna overcome anxiety like Christ, first thing you should start doing is talk to your friends. Talk to your friends. Talk to your friends. In verses 32 and 34, Jesus was honest with his friends and those who were closest to him. He told them what was really going on in the moment. Like, have you ever noticed that particularly Christians, people as a whole, but particularly Christians are really bad about this? Opening up, being honest, sharing what's actually going on. Like, let's just be real for a moment. Nobody can lie like a Christian on Sunday morning, okay? <laughs> Do you have any idea how many people I've asked this morning, how's it going? Do you know every single time I get a big toothy grin, I'm doing, I'm doing great. Everything's good. Too blessed to stress, right? <laughs> and I just know statistically inside some of us are in shambles. We smile and we say, I'm great and everything's going well. And yet inside, 
we know that's not the case. I mean, what a shame that we don't feel like we can be honest with one another about the things that we're really struggling with. Jesus, in his moment of greatest need, the strongest man who ever lived, decided that he needed the comfort and encouragement and love of his friends in that moment. Now, it is definitely worth noting that although Jesus told some people what he was going through, he didn't tell everybody everything, okay? He, he didn't tell everybody everything. You, you might notice a progression. In verse number 32, Jesus has all the disciples minus Judas. They go into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he tells them, stay here and pray for me. That's all he says. Now, he's including them in encouragement, help, prayer. They are getting involved in his situation. But I want you to notice he does not tell the group of 11 exactly what's going on or how he's feeling, the depths of how he's feeling. He just says, I need my people to pray for me right now. Then in the next verse, he takes three, his closest followers, Peter, James, and John, and he brings them a little bit further and he begins to open up more to them. He tells them the depth of what he's going through. He starts to reveal just what a burden and weight he's under in the moment. And then he goes further and he's even more honest when he talks to God. So Jesus didn't tell everybody everything but he told some people what they needed to know in the moment in order to support him. You know, studies show that one of the most important factors to addressing mental health concerns is being surrounded by healthy community. It really is. It's one of the most effective things you can do. If you're depressed, if you're anxious, if you're overwhelmed, one of the most important things and most helpful things you can do is to surround yourself with people who will love you and support you and help to pull you out of that, that pit of darkness, all right? You were not meant to face life alone. God knows that we cannot fight our biggest battles on our own. We need each other. Do you know this is why in the garden, after God had created Adam, he looked down at Adam and he said, well, that's not good. And it's not that there was something wrong with Adam, it's that Adam was incomplete. He didn't have somebody else to share life with, somebody else to fulfill the mission that he was going to give to humanity with. And so he creates Eve so that she can work with, she can love and, and encourage and be in community with Adam. We were designed to be in community. That's when God says things are good, right? Even the incarnation reminds us of this truth. Do you realize God could have remained in heaven and shouted down his love to us here on earth. He could have done that, but he didn't choose that approach. He didn't choose to stay and shout. He chose to come and show. The incarnation means he took on flesh and he came here to live among us. What is one of the titles given to our savior? He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. I'm telling you, we often forget the power of somebody being with us, somebody being there alongside us. It's easy to pray for somebody. You need people praying with you. You need people who are going to see you on your worst night and they're going to be there. They're going to lift you up. They're going to encourage you. They're going to say, you're not supposed to feel this way. They're not going to say, you're not supposed to feel this way. You're the savior. You're the one that's supposed to make us feel better. We're not supposed to. No, everybody, including Jesus, needed healthy community surrounding him. Yes. You can't be your best self by yourself. 
You cannot be your best self by yourself. It's impossible. You need other people. You need godly people around you who are going to help you when life gets hard, who are going to help you when you don't see the path forward, who are going to help you when you can't find a way out. Jesus talked to his friends. That's, I, I just, I, like, I understand how simple and basic, maybe even superficial that might sound, but Jesus actually did it, and he did it because it's effective. He did it because it works. Do you know the spiritually healthiest people that I know in this church are involved in real community? They honestly are. Now, not everybody who goes to a connect group is spiritually healthy. I'll tell you that much. But the people who are healthiest are involved in community. They're they're involved on a serve team or they're involved in a group. They have people that they meet with outside of Sunday mornings and they talk and they pray for one another. And they're in text threads where they send each other scripture along with memes and gifts. Like they are really sharing life with one another. And particularly, if you struggle with anxiety or fear, if you feel overcome and overwhelmed, do not overlook the power of good, godly friendships. They can make a massive difference. So listen, just I I feel like I should remind you that our new semester of Connect Groups is going to be starting very, very soon. Like at the end of the month, we have group link. And then throughout the summer, we're going to be running a brand new slate of groups. We're going to have all sorts of stuff going on. And I'm just challenging you, particularly if you've been struggling, particularly if you feel overwhelmed and anxious, get involved in good community. They, it will make such a massive difference. And by the way, we, we are actually like open right now. We're taking ideas for connect groups this summer. So if you're like, oh, I would love to see a hiking group or a park group or a Bible study group, then let us know. Go to our website. You can actually submit a group idea there. And hey, maybe even you might consider leading a group yourself because that sort of community, God can use it to make a very, very big difference in people lives. So first, talk to your friends. That's what Jesus did. Second, talk to your father. Talk to your friends. Talk to your father. In verse 36, Jesus cried out, Abba, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus was quick to pray. He was quick to pray. This was not his last resort. This is not like, well, I've tried everything else. I guess I'll turn to God. No, it was his first response when something went wrong. And one thing you'll notice about the prayers of Jesus when you start reading them um, with an open set of eyes, you'll see they were real. They were honest. Jesus said things sometimes in prayer that you're like, oh, I wouldn't expect the Savior, the Son of God, to say those sorts of things. And, And so he was honest. He was real in his prayers. Look, I think too many times we think of anxiety as a sin. We feel afraid and ashamed because we're like, oh, I shouldn't be so anxious. I know I shouldn't. And so rather than turning to the one who can help us in our time of need, we hide, we distance ourselves, we run away. But I don't think we should look at anxiety like it's a sin. We should start to look at it like it's a signal. Anxiety is not a sin, it's a signal. It is a signal that when it starts to well up inside of you, you are gonna turn to the one who can help you diagnose it and overcome it. Listen, when I get a warning light on the dashboard of my Jeep, I don't drive around thinking to myself, oh man, I hope the mechanic doesn't find out that I have a warning light on my dashboard right now. He's going to be so mad at me. He, I, I just, I hope he never sees this warning light. No. When that warning light comes on, I go to the mechanic and I say, you're the only one that can help me. I'm out of my depth. I got nothing here. And he expects me to show up when that warning light is on. He's not going to judge me. That's what he's there for. 
Same is true of your soul in God. Yes. Anxiety is a signal that you need to pray. You need to turn to your father. There is something inside of you that you should offer back to him. Let him speak into it. Let him show you the path forward. Don't hide. Don't run away. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend like it's not there. No, like Jesus, talk to your father. This is why the apostle Peter says, cast your cares on him. Not because if you don't, he's going to be real mad at you. Not because if God finds out without you having told him first, then you're going to be in extra trouble. That's how it was in my house growing up, right? Like if I did something wrong and I confessed it, then usually my punishment was a little lighter. But if dad found out and I was trying to hide it, boy, it came down. All right. God doesn't work that way. Peter says, cast your cares on him because he actually cares for you. He cares for you. In Philippians chapter number four, we have this very famous passage. We actually talked about it Sunday night in our Overcoming Anxiety seminar. Philippians four says, do not be anxious about anything, but instead pray about everything. Look, if it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to keep you awake at night, if it's big enough to occupy your mind, even for a short period of time throughout the day, then it is big enough to offer to God and say, God, I'm not sure what to do here, but I believe you have the answers. I believe that you will help. And listen, Paul goes on in that passage, Philippians 4, okay? So don't be anxious about anything, but instead pray about everything. And he says this, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus if you do that. Like the antidote to anxiety is prayer. Prayer brings peace. Peace. That's exactly what we need when we're feeling fearful, when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling uncertain about how we should move forward. We specifically need peace. And Paul says the way you're going to get that is by talking to your father. This week I was out in the lobby and I was walking around. I was looking, oh, dang, the, the, posters on the crazy faith wall. They're like starting to sag and fall down. I'm like, I need to put that on my to-do list. I didn't get to it. So they still look like odd garbage right now. But anyway, I'm gonna fix it this week. But anyway, I was looking at it and then I started reading and I was like, dang, if these aren't some raw prayers out here. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, there, there's some, you know, superficial stuff out there as well, but there is some real stuff written on there and we see real answers. It's like that wall is a testament to the fact that when we talk to the father, things start to change. Yeah. Prayer is powerful. And so if you're in the middle of anxiety or if you're in the middle of a struggle, if you're uncertain about what to do, one of the best things, probably the best thing you can do is to talk to your father. Go to him in prayer. He wants to hear from you and he promises, even if he doesn't give you the answer that you're looking for in the moment, he will give you his peace. Talk to your friends, talk to your father, and lastly, talk to your feelings. Jesus did this. Verse 36, so he's talked to his friends. He started talking to God. And then in verse number 36, after sharing what he hopes or how he hopes this situation might turn out, he says, and yet I want God's will done and not mine. Jesus wants there to be another way. He wants to, to not have to go through the tragedy and the suffering that he's facing in the moment. He's like, this is a sincere ask here. And yet when it comes right down to it, he says, it's not about what I want. It's about what God wants first and foremost. I'm going to talk 
to my feelings. He submitted his feelings to his faith. God's truth is greater than my anxiety, all right? We often feel that we have no control over our feelings whatsoever. It's just like, they happened to me, and now I can't do anything about it. That's not entirely true. We will never have full and complete control over our emotions, but you know what? We can always have some level of control over our feelings and emotions. We can always turn our feelings towards our faith. We can always, to a a higher degree than we usually realize, we can submit our emotions and our feelings to the word of God and the work of his spirit. It is absolutely possible. Here's the truth that you need to understand. Your feelings are real, but not necessarily true. Your feelings are real, but they are not necessarily true. So last Sunday night in our Overcoming Anxiety Seminar, Jen, she was talking about what she called the amygdala hijack. That makes me sound so smart. She was talking about the amygdala hijack. And basically what she said is that in people with anxiety disorders, the normal and good part of the brain that causes you to be afraid of things that are worth being afraid of, and it gives you that like fight, flight, or freeze response, right? She says in people that have anxiety disorders, that switch gets turned on. It never gets shut off like it does in normal people. And so we start to look at everything as a threat. We start to be afraid of absolutely everything. Your brain is constantly telling you, you should be afraid right now, despite the fact that there really isn't anything that you should be afraid of. That feeling is real, but it is not true. Are you with me? Um, we experienced this, Amber and I did, uh, a little while back in our condo building. So I want you to picture this uh, scenario. It's the middle of the night and we're asleep in bed. Actually, don't picture that. It's weird. I'm your pastor. Anyway, so we're, we're tucked into bed, 3 a.m., and out of nowhere, the fire alarm goes off in the building. It's like, Lights are flashing. I mean, it is like, whoa, overwhelming. So we're super sleepy. We're mad. Get up, throw some clothes on, pick up the puppies. And with like a thousand other people that live in our building, we walked down the stairs and out into the street. And we sat there on the curb until the fire department showed up and they put out the blaze that had set off the fire alarm. But guess what? There was no blaze. See, what had actually happened was some drunk dude had pulled the fire alarm in the middle of the night and we all had to respond. Stay with me now. The fire alarm was real, but it was not true. There was no fire there. There was nothing to be afraid of. It was an alarm and it was very real, but it was not true. This is how anxiety is so much. So much of what we're afraid of is never going to come to pass. We worry about, well, what if this and what if that and what if that? 99% of that is never going to be a reality. The feeling is real, but it is not true. So we live a lot of our lives controlled by very real feelings, but not true feelings. And so we talk to our feelings and we say, you know what? I am not alone right now because God said he would never leave me or forsake me. You know what? I am not a loser and a failure. The Bible tells me I am more than a conqueror through Christ who gave himself for me, right? God has not given me a spirit of fear. He's given me a spirit of power and judgment and a sound mind. You talk to your feelings. You fight back. You bring them in line with the word of God. Are you ever going to be able to fully wrangle them in? No, but you can exercise a whole lot more control over them than you realize. When Jesus was suffering real anxiety on the final night of his life, he talked to his friends, 
He talked to his father and he talked to his feelings. Now, here's the crazy thing. It worked. Yeah. It worked. So I, I want you to understand, when Jesus went into the garden that night, he went in stumbling. He went in overwhelmed. His soul was crushed with grief to the point of death. And then he talked to his friends. He talked to his father. He talked to his feelings. By the time the sun rose that next morning, he was resolute. He was confident. He was unshakable. He woke up and he, he didn't wake up, but he got up and he said, you know what? No one is going to take my life from me. I will lay it down willingly for my sheep. When the guards showed up to arrest him and Jesus gave him a kiss and they said, are you Jesus? He said, I am in the very power of his words, knock the guards over. Are you with me? He stood before the high priest Caiaphas and was answering for these trumped up charges. And he looked Caiaphas in the eye and he said, one day you will see me sitting at the right hand of the Father and returning with the clouds in glory. Do you see the change that was made in our Savior in just a few hours when he was willing to talk back to his anxiety? Woo, that's good. That same power is available to me and to you. His example is my example, is your example. It is what we should do. Don't clam up. Don't shut down. Instead, start to speak up. Speak to people in your life. Speak to your father. Even speak to your feelings and watch if your situation doesn't start to resolve itself. Hey, let's not forget why Jesus experienced all this anxiety. He experienced this anxiety because of me, because of my sin, because of our sin. Because of his great love for God's other sons and daughters, he was willing to endure the worst of life, literally, so that we could have the best of life. Man, I just believe that there's somebody here and you say, you know what? I've been overwhelmed. I've been overcome and I need God in my life. I need him to turn my situation around. I need to be forgiven and I need a fresh start. And today that's why I came to church because I know what I need. Jesus is that fresh start you've been looking for. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, hey, I am ready to put my faith in Jesus. I am ready to have him come in and flip the script on me. Then you could say this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, Today, I invite you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for what you suffered so that I could be set free. And I'm asking you to make me into a new creation today, to live in freedom and to love you with all of my heart. I pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to invite Amber to come to the stage and she's going to tell you a little bit more about how we can help you in your spiritual journey. But as I said to our friends at the, um, at the seminar conference last week, uh, I want you guys to know that if you're struggling with anxiety, you have a place here at Connect Church. You're not a failure as a Christian. You're not a second rate human being. Our Lord and Savior suffered with acute anxiety. He was able to overcome it. And we believe by the power of the spirit, you can too. 